You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with superior skincare that the pros love, L.A. Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25 in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. Joining me now, Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, pleasure as always. Doing well. We are going to uh, run down the 10 questions we asked about training camp before training camp began. We are now, I've lost all sense of how long it's been, but it feels like a week and a half, two weeks, whatever. We're about it has half. been a week and a half, but it, it even this time feels, like, <laughs> feels like a month, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah it uh, flies by when you're, when you're in season again. But we've had the, the first major uh, cut um, where... Uh, whatever, more than 20 players were assigned to the Ontario Reign. The Ontario Reign opened their camp today. As Todd McClellan reminded us this morning, uh, just because somebody was assigned to Reign camp does not mean that their shot at making the roster is done. Um, but at some point, as he said, they needed to call the numbers to, uh, to make coaching manageable. So we are going to hop into these questions, and if there's an update, we'll give one. And if not, well, we'll just uh, we'll see where we are. So number, uh, number 10, who will be the alternate captains? Seems like it's going to be uh, Dowdy and Brown, right? Yeah, which I think is you know kind of the conclusion we came to yep. on the original one. Sometimes the the simplest answer, the obvious <laughs> right. answer, is the correct answer. And in this instance, I think that it was. Uh, we saw you know in these preseason games a lot of different guys wearing letters when you know Kopitar wasn't dressed or Brown wasn't dressed or Dowdy wasn't dressed. So you get to see maybe who those next guys in line would be if the opportunity arose, but I think opening night, it's going to be, you know, Kopitar with the C, Dowdy Brown with the A's as yep. we thought. I, I think you're right. Now, number nine, will any camp invitees be offered contracts? Pretty simple at this point. No. Um, there are some invitees to rain camp uh, and it remains to be seen there, but uh, all of the guys and Cade McNally was the last one or, or I, I shouldn't say no. Cameron Gauntz may still uh, wind up with either a, an AHL. Uh, or NHL contract, but essentially no, uh, none of the uh, invitees, and probably not a surprise given where the Kings are with uh, contract limits. Exactly. Um, you know, good on Kid McNally for standing out for a few days longer than the rest of the invites, getting himself a preseason game. Um, you know, Cameron Gauntz is a very proven AHL player who will now attend camp with the Rain. You know, with the maybe hope expectation that he he's a part of that team this year. But I think, again, you know, we, we didn't really know going in what the invitees would look like. And now that we have a sense coming out, I mean, the, the contract limit kind of speaks for itself to where, you know, an, an ELC yeah. on maybe a flyer type candidate maybe just doesn't make as much sense for the Kings now, just kind of seeing where they stand and, and who's coming up the pipeline. No. And next year, I think something like half of the current team is either an unrestricted or a restricted free agent at the end of this um, season, so who knows? Maybe next year, somebody like Suprika or Canonica, who are eighteen and nineteen, you know, maybe next year there's more room and sure. they've gotten yeah. gotten themselves an audition. We'll see. Moving on, 
Another simple one, where will each of the seven goalies begin the season? Unclear where they will begin the season, but as predicted by everybody, uh, Peterson and Quick remain with the Kings. The other five, uh, at least for now, start out camp with the Rangers. Yep. Um, you know, as again, as we anticipated, you know, there, there was no question of who the two goalies in the no. NHL would be. Um, it was obviously Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson. And then you look at, you know, that there's five goalies in Ontario rain camp, which is a lot of goalies. I mean, that's you're, you're at most looking to carry three and that's on the heavy side. So rain camp will be interesting to watch in net to see which two or three of those goalies stick around in the AHL and which goalies are maybe sent to the ECHL to get their games in. Yeah. Next one. I'm going to be brutally honest here, Zach. I included this one on a lark. I didn't think that this was a legitimate <laughs> question. I just saw a lot of other people talking about it. And I thought, well, I need to get to 10 for some reason. Um, and that question is, where will Vladimir Kachev or Kachev begin the 2021-22 season? And the answer appears to be the third line. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Good on him because mm-hmm. there's probably no bigger wild card, at least externally, than Vladimir Kachev coming into camp. He was, yeah. you know, a, he's not a 20-year-old prospect. He's not a 35-year-old veteran. He's that mid-level guy coming from the KHL. You see it a lot. There's so many varying degrees of success. You know, once in a blue moon, you get Artemi Panarin. And a lot of times you get a player who maybe plays a game or two and leaves, you know, like never really sticks. And, you know, Vladimir Kachev has been incredibly impressive so far. You know, you hear Todd McClellan use words like poise, composure, creativity, says that he thinks the game two or three steps ahead of other people on the ice. Like he's been really complimentary of him. And, you know, today we saw him on the first power play unit with Kopitar, Dowdy, Brown and Arvidsson. You know, we've seen him with Phil Deneau and with Gabe Velarde during training camp in the middle six. So he's been really impressive. And, you know, he was a guy that certainly was not a lock for a spot coming into this camp and he feels almost like one now about halfway through. Yeah. There was an interview with Todd McClellan that I believe Lisa Dillman uh, published. I want to say a day or two before training camp opened and in it, Todd McClellan's made a comment like he'll be given every opportunity to make the team or something like that. And I sort of read it and I thought to myself, yeah, okay, sure. You know, that's what one says of any player in training camp, right? right? You, know, right. Like you are in, you are at camp. You have an opportunity to make the team. You've been given every opportunity. But then we saw him, to your point, being put out there with legitimate line mates. Um, you know, he wasn't in Group C and being skipped over. Um, he was in preseason games, and he looked quite good in preseason games. Now, I want to... I want to pump my own brakes. I'm not going to tell anybody else how to feel, but... You know, the first scrimmage I saw him out there, I thought, oh, he's making some nice... He he fit into my rule, which is rather than hyper-focusing on one dude, I just sort of watch everything and keep a tally in the back of my mind of how many times I find myself saying, oh, nice play, and realizing it's that guy. Yeah. And Gotchev, it was like three or four times the first scrimmage, the first day, where and they weren't like... They weren't unbelievable plays that would make a highlight reel. They were just slick little backhand passes or finding a guy in traffic or whatever. Right, I just, like, yeah, and I just thought, oh, okay, nice right. play. Uh, but then he had that pass, you know, to Velarde, who then hit Anderson in that goal uh, against Vegas, I want to say, in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to say, like, okay, to myself, again, not trying to tell anybody else how to feel, but for my own personal mental health um, and, and to keep my expectations reasonable. It's still preseason. It's still, you know, it doesn't mean he's going to win the rookie of the year. It doesn't right. mean he's the next Kaprizov or Panarin. 
Um, but so far, he looks good. And uh, I, I agree. You know, I, I think the thing that if, if you want to pump brakes in any way, it's that in preseason, you know, he's been probably getting more minutes than he'll get in a regular season game. You know, mm-hmm. he's not been getting third line minutes. You know, in Vegas, he played more minutes at even strength than Andre Kopitar. And right. that's not going to happen no. in the regular season, especially when you get into it. So it's Ken, you know, you can fill one role in the preseason. Can you fill the role that you'll be assigned to play in the regular season, which if it's on a line with Gabe Velarde and Leah Anderson, as he has been for the last two days, it's kind of a depth scoring line you know, that's going to need to take care of itself in the defensive zone. But, you know, those are offensively minded players who can create and produce. So, so far, so good. I think the jury is always still out on a player who's played zero NHL games, but early signs are really promising and maybe surprising for for a lot of people, myself included. Yeah. The next question, again, no surprises. What does the left side of the defense look like to start the season? Edler... Bjornfoot and Anderson have been consistently paired with Dowdy, uh, Roy, and Walker in reverse order there. Yeah. Um, and it remains to be seen whether or not Strand or Willannon find a spot on the team. We, we talked about in the pre, you know, in the episode we did, they might hold on to eight defensemen at this point. Mata is not skating, or wasn't skating today. I don't want to say he was, you know, isn't skating. He's not on the IR or anything. But I think we all expected the seven defensemen to be the ones with NHL experience. Yep. And I don't anticipate anything changing that between now and the start of the season, but it's not decided yet. I think, you know, barring injury, that's that's again what's most likely is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the four left shot D with the three right shot D, the seven names that you mentioned. Now, you know, Olimata took that hit in Vegas. Todd McClellan said he I think Shaken up uh, was kind of the, the phrasing he used. Nothing that seems to be too serious, but he was not on the ice for the first day back and might be might be off for a little bit. And, you know, does that maybe give a guy like Willannon or Strand an opportunity in these exhibition games to show something? Yeah, you know what? It definitely gives him an opportunity if, if Mata doesn't play. But I think that all health aside, everyone's healthy. I think we kind of know what the 7D will most likely look like for the opening night roster. Yeah, and it might have extended the stay of, of Willannon and Strand. Um, who knows? They, they put six guys on waivers. They all cleared. Anyway, uh, next one was Will I follow and Brown start the season on the top line. Now, this one is another one where, who knows, plenty of time for it to change, but it looks like Arvidsson, Brown, and Kopitar will be the top line. Um, I just, for my own, as I explained in that episode, I, I expect things, I expect momentum <laughs> to to carry over. And so I'm just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop to see. I follow back on that top line, but I don't, you know, I, I hope that the current uh, deployment works and results in tons of goals and, and, you know, and they win a bunch. So in which case they would never, you know, they wouldn't change it, but again, remains to be seen. But I think, you know, I think all of us agreed when we originally recorded that the top line was most likely to be, I follow Kopitar Brown. I don't think anyone, deviated from that thought and you know the I think the biggest thing that we all thought going in was that Victor Arvidsson would play on the right wing mm-hmm. I think that was what you saw from any lineup prediction right it was yeah like, he's a right shot he's gonna mind, play yeah. play on the right side everyone <laughs> yeah. everyone had it I, I would have thought the same thing so it was almost like well who's on Kopitar's right is it Brown or is it Arvidsson right and you know first day of camp you know Todd McClellan comes out and says you know Kopitar Brown are kind of viewed as the pair and it was Arvidsson that they chose to slot it on the left, which I think probably took some people by surprise. Though I think, you know, 
Arvidsson's versatility speaks for itself. He's equally competent on both wings. But so it's, it seems like, you know, if, if things proceed as scheduled, you know, we won't see I follow Kopitar Brown as the top line. We'll see that line broken up. But you always know that, hey, that line, you know, has had a lot of success and you can always put it back together. There's nothing holding you to your day one lines. Yeah, the only I mean, not that, you know, Jim Fox is always fond of saying it doesn't matter what, what wing you play, because once you hit the offensive zone, you know, you're just three guys playing offense. Um, but Brown historically has played the left wing when paired with Kopitar and a right winger. Um, not always, but, you know, Brown, Kopitar and Williams was a line and Brown played on the left. Um, I am curious, though, it's only been one game that the three of them played. Uh, they didn't score any goals. <laughs> Not that that means anything. Neither did anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm I'm wondering, you know, Todd McClellan mentioned on whatever was the first or second day of camp that they were already having conversations about how long do you keep that line together before trying something else. And, yeah. you know, it, again, plenty of time left in camp, three more game, three more preseason games left to be played. Uh, but for now, at least, that, that line has been pretty consistent. So we will, we will find out. Uh, this one definitely doesn't have an answer. But uh, <laughs> how many centers will be on the Kings roster at the end of training camp? Now, as of today, which is Sunday, the first day of rain training camp, the Kings have Andre Kopitar, Philippe Deneau, Gabriel Velarde, Quentin Byfield, and Blake Lazat uh, at center with, I suppose, Andreas Athanasiu, Trevor Moore, Leah Anderson and Adrian Kempe, who could all play center. But the real question is, um, Velarde, Byfield, Lazat for the for the three number three and number four center. Um, I sort of anticipate all three of them staying. Question mark. Question mark. Yeah, I mean, you know what? The, there was a lot of players. Or there were a lot of players who are on entry level contracts, who are exempt from waivers, who mm-hmm. were assigned to Ontario on Saturday and the player who wasn't was Quinton Byfield yep. at this point, you know, they're at the moment are 15 healthy forwards on the roster. You, you assume you're going into the season with 14 with the assumption, you know, Andreas Athens, you could factor back in making it 16, meaning you, you got to get down two spots. Um, but I think so far it's, it seems like Quinton Byfield's being given every chance to earn a spot on opening night. Um, now the, the premise of these questions was, you know, questions for camp, not questions for 82 games. Right. And I think that it's probably more likely that, you know, you say you open the year with Quinton Byfield as your fourth center, then you go 82 games with him as your fourth line center. Um, Todd has used the expression in some form of another, you know, he can give us what we need, but we can't give him what he needs mm-hmm. to describe a younger player where, yeah, like he's he's good enough to play in our top twelve, but it's maybe not best for his development to be forward number eleven in that configuration. Um, a lot of interesting factors there. Five centers right now, eight nine centers if you want to go real deep, which I will because I definitely said there'd be more than five. Yep, we did this preview, so I need to prove myself right. <laughs> um, but I mean, when you look at their primary position, it's five right now, and it's hard to see any more than that on uh, the fourteenth. Well, and I'm going to add a dumb wrinkle uh, because there was a lot of conversation among the few of us at camp today about the rare benefit that the Kings get from having their minor league team literally in the same building. Yeah. Um, Jared Chaffron, who covers the rain for uh, for us, 
he pointed out that I think it was Washington made a similar round of cuts that the Kings did, but it was much smaller. Mm-hmm. And his point was they have they literally have to travel and go away in order to report for their minor league camp. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the Kings players don't have to go anywhere, right? They hit the ice at mm-hmm. one o'clock instead of 11. That's, that's their version of reporting. And so I'll just use, you know, I don't want to hyper-focus on any one player, but Jared Anderson Dolan could be assigned to Ontario without clearing waivers. If for whatever reason they know and feel confident that he is what he is and they know exactly what they're getting for him from him, but they're not sure about Quentin Byfield and they want to play Quentin Byfield in three more preseason games to see how ready he is. Well, you can make that swap easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody has to buy a plane ticket or a train ticket or drive for five hours from point A to point B. They stay in their own apartment. They <laughs> see the same staff yeah. members. Like I said, their skate time is just different. Um, so changes could be made. And and Todd McClellan has made reference to that two or three times of his own volition. So mm-hmm. I think we would do well to uh, to notice it. Agreed. I wrote, actually wrote something similar in my article today. I don't even think I was talking about it with you guys, but it's funny. We're all thinking the same yeah. lines. Is like, yeah. you know, they could bring up Anderson Dolan, Kupari, Fagamo, Kaliev, any number of those guys who are down in Ontario at any time, and mm. the only change that has to be made is the equipment guys bringing the stuff from right. room to room. You know, <laughs> exactly. it's yeah. it's, a, it's a short walk. So huge benefit to having, you know, the rain practicing in uh, El Segundo is you, you can make those moves. And it, it certainly wouldn't be surprising if in these Tuesday, Wednesday exhibition games, if at least one player who is not on the roster as of this recording played in at least one of those games. Yeah. And and to uh, McClellan's point, you know, today they were doing special teams. Well, if they know who they want on the top two power play units, right, as they focused on today, well, then, yeah. okay. You don't need somebody who's not going to be on, you know, in that role. Right, right. So, and anyway. to, to his other point, too, you know, like, it's hard to run certain right. roles and focus on certain things. If you've got 35 guys on the ice, you can maybe lose a line or two and run days like this. And we've seen him do this before. We've seen him send guys down during camp and call them back up two days later. Yeah. Been done before. So I, yeah, you know, the moves are the moves and probably likely in a lot of ways to stay, but it's, it's not final. And it wouldn't at all surprise me to see a couple guys come back the other way at some point. Now, the next one, number three on our list is not yet decided, but I think, I think it's pretty clearly decided. I mean, we're halfway home. Yeah. The question is, will any players be claimed off of waivers? Six players have already passed through waivers without being claimed. Um, assuming a full healthy roster with FNCU and Mata available to play, the Kings need to make, what did we say? Four more cuts? It would be four more moves. Yeah. Um, two at forward, two on D. Presumably. They could they, theoretically... They could, they could. Three and one if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so the, of those players that cleared, you know, there was a lot of speculation, you know, will Seattle take Kale Clegg? Will Kale Clegg get claimed off of waivers? Will Martin Furk get claimed off of waivers? And we've sort of laughed about this before. Every year, every team assumes that every yeah. player will be claimed off of waivers. Um, right. And uh, without naming specific players by name, I will simply point out that I think a lot of times a fan base's estimation of how good a player is is based on how often that player is talked about. 
And frequently, how often a player is talked about has a lot more to do with how many other players are around them than that player's value in the eyes of the rest of the league. And so, conversations, you know, I, I read somewhere somebody said, well, everybody was penciling in this player for that position all summer. And I said, well, who, by whom? Just because Twitter says something's going to happen doesn't... Um, it's sort of like the difference between playing The Price is Right and uh, Wheel of Fortune, right? Like, whatever you think the answer is, is fine. But the game is to try and guess what the front office's answer is going to be. And, uh, right, right. It's uh, the only real decisions that matter. Yeah. Um, I think the name that, that was thrown out quite a bit was probably Clegg. You know, mm-hmm. as a guy who, you know, has has that, that skill set for sure. Um, you see Elliot Friedman tweeting, it's surprising that he wasn't claimed seems to be the general consensus of the fan base is like, you can't put a player like that through waivers. He's going to get claimed. And it just seems like every year it's that, that same thing. It's like Kale Clegg is a good player. Like, yeah, no, for sure. He's a good player. He's a good prospect. He's still very young and he'll be expected to go down and lead the Ontario rain defense for now. And he likely will be back um, at some point. Um, but at the same time, you, you kind of look at like other organizations too, and they've, they're also putting, six guys on waivers, meaning they already have, you know, a lot of players who are not exempt. Um, and it's, well, it's and as long every, as, every year, right? Every as long year. as we've said the name, I'm going to go ahead and, and explore my, my thing for a second. There were no, there was no first round pick for the Kings in 2015. And Eric Chernak was the second round pick in 2015. There was no first or third round pick by the Kings in 2016. And Clegg was the second round pick. And then in 2017, Velarde was the first round pick, and then he struggled to get ice time. So you have a three three year window there where the highest profile player, at a point in time where the Kings were struggling, um, where the highest profile prospect was Kale Clegg. And so yes, the conversation for three years or two mm-hmm. years, whatever it was, focused on him. He was the highest profile prospect, but that doesn't mean that he's the highest profile prospect for the other 30 teams or 31, excuse me, teams in the league. And to your point, they have their own guys. <laughs> and right. Own. And it's the same, you know, yeah. same kind of, there's another player for the New York Islanders who goes mm-hmm. down with the same, oh, well, we can't send him down. He's going to get right. claimed. And you know what? Like, Kale Clay's good enough to get claimed and he's good enough to play in the NHL. It just doesn't mean he's, he's going to be there right now. And yeah. I think it's kind of as simple as that. It's a complicated equation, and it's impossible to know all of the moving pieces. The next question on the list, number two, uh, there is no answer for this yet because the season has not yet begun, but the question was, will any players be traded before the season starts? Um, Todd McClellan pointed out today as we spoke to him, even if they went with the five lines and four D pairs that they have in camp, it's still too many. As he said, the players can do the math. And now that we see the Ontario Rain roster start to sort of take shape you realize oh while there may not technically be too many guys because there's no roster limit on the rain you start to look at ice time and line combos and d pairs and you start to realize oh gosh as i've been saying all summer <laughs> they have too many guys too um so i think i even tweaked this one and said i was going to extend the uh the the date past the season starting into november i'm prepared to push it back to december because i think they may need to some time to sort out who's who and what's what, but um, there's no answer for that. But I, uh, there's still potential in my mind. I, I get the point, um, but I also think that 
you look at the too many guys situation and then two guys get injured and suddenly they don't have too sure. many guys anymore. No, it's absolutely, you know, suddenly yeah. there's enough room for everybody. So it's only a guy or two. Um, but, but to your point, that is, you know, yeah, you know, someone who's good will either be on the fourth line in Ontario or in the press box, which is tough. Um, I think that with the trade, a lot of times, like we saw it last year with Amadio and Willanen was both players were waived and not claimed, but that doesn't mean there's no interest in those players. It just right. meant that maybe there wasn't an, an interest in taking them without giving someone back in a, in like a contract exchange, which doesn't really help the Kings because it still would be, you know, a body for a body. But, but that's maybe the point you, you're having is like, just cause someone maybe isn't claimed on waivers or there's still, you know, moves yeah. to be made, like a trade could happen to try and either deal from a position of strength and bring someone in. Maybe it's a younger guy who's playing in juniors this year or something like that, a contract for a contract that doesn't affect you right now. But like you said, there's a lot of free agents end of the year and maybe next year the situation's a little bit different on the depth front. And I'll throw out a name that in my mind seems impossible. So I don't feel like I'm setting up anything by speculating, but let's just say theoretically that Jack Eichel weren't injured and going through this stalemate with the Buffalo Sabres. You know, that's a scenario where anybody who trades for Jack Eichel presumably is losing at least three or four players to get, to get him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think the Kings currently find themselves with 51 contracts um, after Martin Chromiak signed. But of course, three of them have, have been loaned or, uh, or slid. Hellenius is still in Finland and Clark and Chromiak returned to their junior teams. So the Kings still have two spots that they could fill with Ross with um, players this year. And then, like I said, if, if, if a trade were to involve multiple players out for fewer players, eh, like I said, with the waiver thing, you go down that rabbit hole for days, right? way too complicated an equation. And you'd have to know the internal workings of all other 31 teams. Right. And you right. just can't. So, but like we said, plenty of time. Now that brings us to the final question, which I think we can noodle around with for a while here. And I think Jack put it perfectly and yet was totally wrong. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> anyway, um, which is where will Quentin Byfield begin the season? And as Jack said, uh, and I think we all agreed with him, and I thought he put it perfectly. Like the the central focus of this training camp was supposed was quote unquote supposed to be um, Byfield or Velarde at three C. Um, I think the assumption, perhaps incorrectly, was that they would oh, they would never play Quentin Byfield at fourth line center. Way better to you know, and I doing this mocking voice because this was my thought process and making fun of myself. <laughs> um, the thought process, and I just had a long conversation with <clears throat> my dad about this over the weekend. It's a it's a trope, right? That you'd rather have a guy playing twenty minutes a night, um, top line in the minors, and blah 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 blah. And yet, my dad and I, sorry, <clears throat> my dad and I, were talking about Dustin Brown and his career, mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, Dustin Brown didn't come up and start playing top line minutes for the Kings. He was a right. fourth liner, and I thought, no, that can't possibly be. And so I went back and I looked at it and like Dustin Brown played, I think, 10 minutes a game in his first season. And we all remember it partially because he's been here for 18 years. And so you, you know, you isolate those memories and, and cement them. But also because as soon as he hit the league, he was just trucking people left, right and center. And he was obliterating, I think, his first 10 games. He targeted the best player on the other team and blew them straight off the ice. Um, but the point is, he played 10 minutes a game and it clearly didn't hurt his career progression. He turned out OK. Yeah, and I think it's really easy, especially for people like me, um, to say, oh, well, Byfield can be sent to Ontario without waivers. 
and you don't want them playing. What's the point of playing eight minutes a game or whatever? And and of course the answer is there. There's tons of benefit to it. Um, may not be what they do. Doesn't mean that my you know silly voice argument is wrong. <laughs> um, it just means that it's not taking into account alternative views. So yeah, it's not that it's wrong, but it's it is it's one viewpoint where you can. You can say it enough to where you believe it to be fact, right? Yes, like exactly. you say it, you say it, it's like, oh well, of course it's it's one or the other. But like, <laughs> right. someone could view the other, and the other is like perfectly valid. You know, there's a lot of benefits to having your best pl- your, your your most highly rated prospect around your best players, right? Mm-hmm. Every single day, practicing against Andre Kopitar every single day, um, and playing ten minutes in the NHL isn't playing four. You know, it's right. It's playing a lot of minutes. If you look at the forwards on this Kings roster, you know. He was playing with Trevor Moore today. Like, who who who's got a negative thing to say about Trevor Moore? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably someone. But we would have said, oh, maybe he'll play with him on the third line. And before we knew about Vladimir Kachev, and that's right. Yeah. I think there are definitely some some pros and cons to no matter how you deploy him, whether it's three C, four C, or one C in Ontario. Um, but so far, you know, he's stuck around the NHL level, and perhaps at least at the start of the year. That's the that's the right thing to do, and the good thing, like you mentioned, is waivers aren't needed, so the the change could be made at any time, and all that has to be done is he goes across the hall and could come back the next day. So I just pulled up Brown's numbers while we were doing this because I just wanted to double check in my head that I wasn't making stuff up. Um, in Dustin Brown's rookie season as a 19 year old, I think he might have even been 18 at the start of the season. Doesn't matter. Um, 31 games, five points, playing 10 minutes, 29 seconds a night. His second season at 21, because the 2004-2005 season was canceled, he spent it in Manchester. His uh, second full season in the NHL, he played 79 games, 14 goals, 14 assists, 28 points, and played 13 minutes and 59 seconds. So again, not not really top six. It's probably or, third, or, third line. Yeah, or maybe forward, he bounced yeah. between the two. And then in 2006-2007, when he was 22... 18 minutes and 43 seconds a game, 17 goals, 29 assists, 46 points. You know, he was Dustin Brown. Then, you know, next year he scores 33 and the rest is history. So, like, I think you said it perfectly. You can repeat something enough times to yourself. And uh, as I was saying to you and Jared earlier today, I talk so much I forget what I even say. But sometimes (laughs) I repeat stuff enough that I just begin to believe um, my own nonsense. And so, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that Quentin Byfield does start the season on the fourth line with the understanding that, as we said in these previous podcasts, there could be nights where three lines play equal amount of minutes or you Mm -hmm. know, the top six play the same amount and the bottom six play the same amount. Um, Or maybe one night he's going great and he gets a bunch of power play time and, and or Get, you know, maybe there's an injury, or maybe he impresses, and who knows. So, um, I wouldn't be stunned if he starts the season on the Kings, and yet he is a really easy solution to the too many guys problem. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the only, I think the only one who is in that bubble group who is exempt from waivers. Yep. So it's it's if you if the primary goal is hey we we don't want to lose an asset, then that is an easy answer. Um, but I guess I, I firmly believe, you know, what the Kings mentality is this year is to win games and to make the playoffs. And I think that if on opening night, they think that Quentin Byfield makes them a better team, I think he's going to be in the lineup and it's maybe not the full, full year's solution. And, you know, I can understand that because you look at the other three centers and they're all very good. They're all players who are going to have to play a lot. Um, 
but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I, I think I was adamant that I thought he would make the, the opening night roster. And I was in the three C conversation thinking <laughs> yep. that maybe we'd see Velarde on the wing, but I, I'll take a half win. I think sure. it's a half win. <laughs> sure. Just, just I mean, one number off. Type on the keyboard. That's the best thing about these, you know, conversations is that you, we all stake our claims and mm-hmm. understanding that, you know, right or wrong, it's all meaningless. It's just right. a conversation. But We're just doing a podcast. Yeah. Then 10 days later, you look back on it and you realize all the different ways that you didn't realize you could be wrong. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the, you know, you, you get the list of questions, you write out your answers and you're like, yeah, this, this makes sense. Of course right. it's going to happen. And then, you know, three of them are blatantly wrong. Yeah. And, and here we are redoing that. <laughs> and, and even Redo even the stuff like, for example, you know, I said, "What does the left side of the defense look?" And we catch ourselves mid conversation, and we go, "Oh no, well, they could carry eight defensemen." It's possible, you know. We yeah. were very proud of ourselves for catching all of the stuff we missed on the first pass, and yet there's third pass, fourth pass, etc. So, uh, Kings have, uh, as we said, three preseason games left, and the Ontario Reign have two. They play Tuesday against Arizona, Wednesday in Anaheim. Saturday against Anaheim at Staples Center. Meanwhile, the Rain played two games against the Gulls Thursday at home and Monday the 11th at the Honda Center against the Gulls. I am planning on being at all five of those games. Um, I take it from your eyebrows raising that you are not yeah, <laughs> planning I'm, on um, attending. The- I am not going to drive to Ontario yeah. on a Thursday night personally if I don't have to. <laughs> I've done I've done that drive during the day and I'm. Um, Terrified to do it at night, so I'm I'm probably going to pass on that one. But maybe, maybe Honda Center on Monday. Maybe yeah, the, I live a lot closer to Ontario than you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I've, I think I've I've spent my nights in Ontario, and I'll yeah. I'm excited That's to get true. back there for a few games this year. But Thursday night to complete a preseason three and three is not going to be the one for me. I don't think. Yeah, and then the regular season opens uh, Tuesday, October twelfth. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Kings roster has to be set by Monday the eleventh. Correct. I believe that's right. Um, and then, yeah, the Kings obviously don't play the first day, but there are games on the on the 12th, correct? Yes. Yeah, the Kings open on the 14th. But, yeah, that means that we are, by the time you're hearing this, Kings fans, we are one week away from, uh, from all of these questions being answered. And then we'll have a brand new set of questions. Um, two sets of questions, actually. Ten questions for the rain, ten questions for the Kings. We'll get Jared back in here. We'll talk about the rain. We'll talk about what happened uh, against the Ducks and the Coyotes. Uh, so that's it for this one. Thanks for joining me, Zach. Yeah, Jesse, always a pleasure. Look forward to 10 more questions to royally <laughs> screw up here. In a week. Nothing but questions. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening, King Sands. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>